And welcome back to the most accurate podcast here at 444 Football. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle. And today, a very special episode, not only because the man himself, John Paulson, is back, but he's also back with projections from the Rankings Cave. I think you called it in the past. Was that the correct name? That's the correct name, the Rankings Cave. I kind of go into it for a week or two and don't try not to pay attention to much else to get these rankings out for our subscribers. Well, they are out now. And include drop-downs for underdog best ball tournaments, drop-downs for FFPC and drafters, all the big top-heavy payout best ball tournaments that everyone's playing right now, including PPR, half PPR, customizable settings, a top 200 that we're also working on to potentially hand aggregate in the very, very near future for those drafting along with those scoring settings. So, so much already happening behind the site. And it's big because today we're going to talk about your outliers. We're not going to give all of it away, Paulson, but we're going to tease a lot of things here because there are some interesting names when I was doing my first sift through that stood out. And what makes it so fun is that you have always finished these up a couple weeks post-draft around this time so they can steer all of our conversations ahead of redraft season. But with the way the industry works now, they also guide our discussions and our decisions on ADP the moment at the moment, because you make live adjustments all the time as well. Uh, anything that stood out to you this year as you were going through this week weeks-long process and trying to churn out all the positional rankings for everyone? Well, it's a little, it's interesting. When I first started doing this, um, there would typically not be drafting happening before I start. And now it's it might be happening a month and a half or two months before you know, as soon as the Super Bowl is over, we're starting best ball drafts. So it's a little different. I mean, you, we have some ADP and early ADP to kind of work off of. And that sort of informs our discussion now today because you can look at a lot of drafts that have already happened and compare them to my projections. And we can kind of see where um, I, I differ from the consensus at this point. And we're going to get into that. And I want to start with quarterback rankings because Genuinely, there's nothing egregious when you first look at quarterbacks compared to industry consensus. Uh, Jalen Hurts at quarterback six overall, for instance, may stand out to the naked eye, but we also know he's been a QB one and 16 and 19 career starts. Really, I want to get to the low end QB one range and the fringe QB run range and ask you what went into the process when ranking Deshaun Watson as QB 13 and Trey Lance as QB 14. So that since there are so many nuances to navigate through whenever trying to set those individual players at their position. Yeah, and I would just say, you know, I just just published a quarterback uh, rankings breakdown article, which sort of explains what I'm seeing at the position. And I really think there's 12 rock solid options uh, at the position, and that and the top 12 and ADP match my top 12 and my projections. And I, I think there's a thick line below uh, Matthew Stafford right now, uh, or Dak Prescott, or Aaron Rodgers, depending on who you have at QB 12. Um, but there definitely are some interesting players. You already mentioned them in that. Uh, 13 to 17 range 13 to 16 range um, Deshaun Watson obviously has a pending suspension that's looming but we don't know if it's going to happen this year or it might be pushed back to, to next year um, right now I'm projecting him for 12 games played um, so a four to five game suspension and or with you know one missed game due to injury uh, I did notice that Justina Anderson tweeted out some things yesterday that were uh, sort of getting us ready, I guess, for a 
maybe a longer suspension that people are expecting. You know, I'm I'm sort of expecting a four game suspension, but it might be eight, might be more. And if you look at the the contract that the Browns uh, gave Watson, it did it does indicate that they are protecting his salary if he's suspended for a lot of this year. I think he's got a base salary of like a million or something this year. So his uh, so they're sort of protecting him. I think that 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 leads me to believe that they're expecting something fairly major. So it might be more of an eight game suspension, might be ten game suspension, it might be a full year. I don't know what the NFL wants to do, and I don't know when they're going to do it. But it does sound like they're sort of wrapping things up. They're they're going to meet with him um, but, soon. Oh, go ahead. And before you talk about Trey Lance, I just want to quickly put exact numbers on that note you had, and that is Watson's side clearly negotiated a 1 million base salary, 1.03 million for 2022, which then jumps up to 46 million for his next four years on that contract, pretty much knowing a suspension was likely going to happen. But the number of games is what we're really waiting on here. Yeah, and that is going to really affect the entire Browns offense for obvious reasons. Jacoby Brissett's fine as a backup, but he's no Deshaun Watson. If they could count on Baker Mayfield being the backup there, but I don't think he wants to play there any longer. So he didn't even go um, to the Bahamas for Watson yeah. get together. <laughs> so so yeah, he's out. Yeah, I think that ship has sailed. Um, so it it as as we learn more about that, those numbers will change for that team. Uh, so right now, I'm basically ex- expecting 12 games for Watson and you know roughly five for uh, Jacoby Brissett and uh, for Trey Lance. I am projecting right now the typical number of games for a quarterback, which is 15.6 based on my research over, you know, since 2016, that's the number of games on average that a quarterback uh, has played, highly drafted quarterbacks have played. So I, that I, all these projections this year, and since we've really getting in more into prop betting and everything, I wanted to really try to dial in my expected games played for all these different positions. Um, so I am projecting Lance to start uh, week one, and um, to play 15.6 games, basically. So you could look at, you could divide his stats by that number and kind of come up with his 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 game by game stats. Now, the the one thing that's sort of looming with Lance is that yes, the most of what has come out this offseason points to him being the starter. Um, there have been a few tweets and reports here and there that have indicated that they're not completely sold on him. And Jimmy Garoppolo remains on the team. So I, one worry that I have is that yet the, you know, he's a starter week one, gets off to a bad start. They start like one and two or one and three or something. And they've got Jimmy Garoppolo there and they, they switch gears and decide to go back to Jimmy because it does seem like Kyle Shanahan is the one that's least sold on it, uh, on Lance being the starter and being ready. That doesn't mean that he can't start week one and start the entire season and have a fantastic year. Um, when you look at what I've got him projected for, it's a 7.0 yards per attempt. And I think that's really conservative in that offense. Typically, that offense is over eight yards per attempt. And I do think that if we get into this summer uh, and it's, it's everything's pointing to Lance starting week one, then he's going to be ticking up the uh, projections here and probably pushing Matthew Stafford for that 12 spot or even even a little bit higher. He's just an unknown compared to everybody else that's in the in the top 12. So that's where I'm at with uh, with Trey Lance right now. And I would like to think I had a hand in nudging you. Like in years past, it made sense to hedge and play it safe. And perhaps in redraft leagues, it still does since that happens so late into what we consider a drafting season now. But now with like best ball tournaments and early ADP happening, it is important to take a stand. 
whether we be right or wrong. That way we get massively ahead of ADP or we stay behind and we play it correctly. So it's possible we're wrong, but I do think it's important just to go ahead and draw a line in the sand and say, this is what we believe Trey Lance is. And you have done that. So good job. I like that. But I would just add that, you know, we, we did talk about it and I think I had Lance lower in my, you know, never too early rankings. And the pushback that I got was, well, you know, where are these reports coming from that are negative? So I started to read more into who was saying negative stuff and who was saying positive stuff and starting to weigh the positive stuff more because it did seem like it was coming more directly from the team or the team's beat writers, whereas the negative tough stuff was coming from the national writers or, you know, second or third hand. So I think that's why one reason why I d- dug into it, because you were like, well, why is Lance at, you know, 20 or wherever I had him? Well, then I started to research where this stuff was coming from and, and maybe weighing weighing the team reports and the beat writer reports a little more heavily. Look at that. I'm already paying dividends for the company. Unless Good Lance job, doesn't start, then uh, forget I said anything. Going down your rankings, though, everyone wants to know the late QB2, late QB3 to draft. And really, you go in line with what the industry thinks as well should be QB2s and QB3s, except one individual. One individual stands out. And that's Jameis Winston commanding New Orleans offense. So I would like to hear your thought process and ranking Jameis Winston as the QB 20 overall, basically a mid QB two. Yeah. And I would say that if I knew that he was going to be the starter all year, he'd be a few spots higher than that. I think there's just a little bit of uncertainty with Jameis at the stages of his career. Um, But it doesn't seem like Taysom Hill is a threat anymore. They're moving him to tight end. Uh, Sean Payton is no longer coaching the team. So, you know, a lot of that little, his love affair with Taysom is, is over. It's had to be over. Um, and it looks like it's Winston's job now. And we've had some good movement for him in, in terms of weapons over the last few weeks. He's, you know, Michael Thomas, the news I think is good. Uh, I did hear like, Oh, some worry about him because they did sign Jarvis Landry and they're like, Oh, this must mean that Michael Thomas might not be ready to go, but I don't know. I didn't take it that way. I just think they want to get as many weapons in there as possible. And the Landry contract was only 3 million. So it was certainly affordable and they drafted Chris Olave, uh, which is a great addition for Jameis Winston. So he's going into the season with, uh, three weapons that he didn't have at the start of last year. And, uh, it's a pretty good receiving core if you look at the look at it talent wise, and they've got uh, Adam Troutman at tight end and Taysom Hill at tight end, and they've got uh, Alvin Kamara uh, catching passes probably for them uh, this year. So I think he's got a nice set of weapons. And the last time that he started, 2019, he was the fantasy QB five for Tampa, and that was with 30 interceptions, I believe. Um, so we've seen him post great fantasy seasons. He's not the greatest necessarily, the greatest real world quarterback. Uh, but he can definitely put up fantasy points and support multiple fantasy stars in his offense. So I think, you know, QB 20, QB 19, QB 18 even, you know, you're looking at Justin Fields there where the Bears didn't do much at all to help his weapons. Like Winston might might climb the the, the ladder a little bit too if, if he has a good offseason. I ask because I agree with you. Winston's season, the six games he got in at least, were basically – Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, like buttoned up Dr. Jekyll in those first four games under Sean Payton, they put a lid on the jar and said, you can only average 21 and a half pass attempts per game. And 
only the 23rd highest rate of throws, 20-plus yards downfield. That's not how Jameis Winston plays, and that's why they tried to contain him just to make sure he was a game manager and didn't turn the ball over. Then you look over his last two starts prior to injury, jumped up literally 11 more attempts per game, 32 and a half, with 14 total carries, and the third highest rate of throws 20-plus yards downfield in the entire league. And with Sean Payton out of the way, I do wonder, like, is Dennis Allen leading towards that latter version that can open up the offense for better or worse? And if that's the case, for fantasy at least, his ceiling is immensely more high, as you mentioned, even even more than your QB 20 ranking. And so that's why I do like being higher than Jameis Winston, who you can get at QB 26 right now. So overall, I agree. I'm very high on Jameis Winston as well. Yeah, I would just add that, you know, in that in that first span, he had the number 17 per game average, 17.9 points per game. And that was only averaging 25.2 passes over that entire span. So you, you broke it down, though. Like at the start, they were really conservative with him. I think he had the five touchdowns against the Packers in week one. And then towards the end of his his season, which ended up being week seven or week eight, they did start to take the lid off a little bit, and it looked like they were starting to trust him. So, you know, if Pete Carm- Carmichael, I think he's got me calling the plays. If he trusts Winston more than Peyton did, or if they came to the conclusion that this guy can be the quarterback and we need to trust him to throw the ball 30 to 35 times a game, uh, then he certainly has a ceiling that's higher than QB, whatever he's going right now. Another player that... I had to put armor on whenever I saw his name preparing for four for four to go to war with everyone else because we are going to be much higher on him throughout the summer is apparently DeAndre Swift. Because right now, DeAndre Swift is your RB6 overall, which is five spots higher than his positional ranking on underdog ahead of names like Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook, Aaron Jones, and Leonard Fournette, etc. Just to name a few. And so how did you get there with the projections on DeAndre Swift? Well, he, you know, he had an injury kind of plague season last year. I guess that's a little bit of a concern with him. But he, I think he's really talented. Uh, obviously, catches the ball really well, and that's money in fantasy leagues. You want guys that can uh, rack up points through the air. Uh, he averaged 19 touches though for 98 yards, 0.6 touchdowns from week one to week 11 before he came back. So I think his per game numbers are kind of decline, you know, depressed a little bit because he came back late in the year and didn't, you know, didn't do a whole lot in those final few games. Um, but when he was healthy at the start of the year, he was basically a bell cow for that team, and he was, you know, catching a ton of passes. So um, I just basically like him. Uh, I think the Lions' offense should be improved here with some, you know, added receiving weapons. And I don't think that, think that these receiving weapons are necessarily going to impact him negatively because of the types of catches that he gets. And he's basically the center point of that offense when he's healthy. Uh, and I think you, you know, you're looking at those other guys that you're talking about. I do think he's clearly after the top five uh, in my rankings. But, you know, Joe Mixon's really solid. It doesn't catch a ton of passes consistently. Uh, I think Aaron Jones is going to have a great year. I've got him five spots ahead of uh, consensus as well. Just look at what he has done without Devontae Adams in the lineup. And, you know, you're probably going to see a lot of Jones and and A.J. Dillon on the field together uh, this year, more so than last year. But, you know, you go down the list here and you're starting to get into some running backs that aren't necessarily the bell cows for the team and i think that mix or that uh, that swift is what makes swift interesting for me as well is that remember last year until their week nine by anthony lynn called plays for them they went 0-8 and they removed him but in those eight games they had the league's 21st highest run play rate when they were trailing and that logically makes sense they were throwing the ball more when they were trailing that's what offenses should do but when they returned from their bye to close out the year under dan campbell 
who wants to establish his identity no matter what, they had the fifth highest run play rate in the league when trailing. So if we think they are not only going to be perhaps competitive against a softer schedule, they did draw the league's second easiest schedule based solely on Vegas season win totals. And then also whether or not that happens, we still think they're bad and they run the ball if they're not competitive because that's what Dan Campbell did last year. All these things do equate to Swift being not properly valued at this time. Since if he's healthy, we expect him to get the ball a lot. So I agree with you. Uh, it still shocked me when I saw RB6 overall. I had to wrap my head around it and start configuring some new things on my end. But I do like standing out on a talented player like him. On the opposite end of that spectrum, though, your projections have Javante Williams and Alvin Kamara bunched together as the RB17 and RB18, a full 7-9 and nine spot difference between what their underdog rankings are. Uh, I'm assuming it's because we still have the looming suspension, potentially, with Kamara, and then, of course, Melvin Gordon being re-signed in Denver with Javante. But what are the reasons for them being lower than consensus? Yeah, you're, you're right about Javante. I mean, it's Melvin Gordon signing. I don't think ADP has really caught up to that. But maybe maybe you know drafters are that optimistic about Javante that they could still draft him as a low-end RB1, even though Melvin Gordon is back. Um, my assumption is when this sort of stuff happens and Melvin Gordon's re-signed that we're going to see pretty much the same split that we saw last year. Now we have a new coaching regime in there and they, you know, Nathaniel Hackett might treat the whole thing separately, you know, in a different way, but he approved it or he went along with bringing Melvin Gordon back. So, and, and I don't think Gordon's just a guy that's just going to, you know, be a backup at this point. So he still ran the ball pretty effectively last year. And I do, I do project Devante or Javante for more touches, a couple more touches per game than he had last year. Um, so I do think he'll maybe take the lead in that, in that committee, but it's still a pretty even split for me. And then for Kamara, it's this legal situation that is looming. Um, I don't know if you've been following it, but it's not particularly pretty. I guess there's a, um, a video that is out there and we don't know if it's going to be leaked before the season starts. And if it does, it might embarrass the, you know, the NFL and they might have to act prior to the season. Now he had a, a hearing that was bu- uh, pushed back from late April to August 1st, which is good news for his redraft value because this whole legal situation might be pushed into the season. And then he doesn't get suspended until 2023 if he gets suspended at all. But apparently, you know, he's on video reportedly, um, you know, kicking and punching somebody that's down on the ground. So that's what the rumor is. Um, I don't know if it's true, uh, but you know, this smells bad. So I, I tend to be conservative in these situations, you know, with running backs, especially you also have the possibility of a long-term injury, uh, you know, multi-game injury. So I don't feel, uh, pressured to, rank somebody that's got this le- looming legal situation really, really high because there's also a chance that I might back into his numbers being correct because he uh, goes down with a four-game injury or something like that. So um, for Kamara, it's just, you know, buyer beware. Um, I'm not actively trying to draft him right now, um, but the news was a little bit better after April getting that uh, that hearing pushed back to August. I just think we're I'm bracing personally for this video to get released and leaked or whatever and have something come down after that. And if that is the case, remember Mark Ingram, literally every touch workhorse whenever Kamara missed last season, it would be the case again. A late round running back, 
someone that is higher in your projections, and you might not even realize this, but we are higher on Cordero Patterson, who is currently going in the eighth round of underdog drafts at the RB36. You have him as the RB27, which I assume means, like me, you think the way he was used in the last seven games when he returned from injury last year, whenever he averaged three fewer targets per game and instead three more carries as a between-the-tackles grinder, which he's never been able to do well throughout his career. That is not Patterson's style, and he can't succeed doing that in the NFL. I assume you also think he returns to his old role where they use him creatively in the passing game more. Yeah, and you look at the situation with the Atlanta receiving core, it's pretty dire you know, after... London and, and Pitts. So, you know, a lot of Patterson lining up as a receiver in the slot. I could see that. And they do like to use him, it seems, in the red zone. Uh, and he is kind of a touchdown scorer. So, I, you know, this is an interesting situation because I can't remember a time where a guy uh, finished in the top 10 at running back, you know, still has a starting job the following season with the, basically the same personnel around him. And he's going, you know, RB36 or RB30 or whatever he's going. This is, uh, not something that I can remember seeing before, um, you know. And they didn't really, they didn't draft like a, a high, you know, a high value running back either. I mean, they, were, they did bring a rookie in, but it's not, it wasn't, you know, uh, Brees Hall or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, I think uh, you know, I have him at RB twenty seven. I think that's more than fair. Hundred ca- hundred carries, forty six catches, and I think that might be fairly conservative on the on the reception front. Again, this is a guy who can catch five, six, seven passes a game and. Uh, score a lot of points in PPR formats, and that's what we want in fantasy. And more importantly, the game has evolved so much that, as you know, we now also stack in our best ball tournament stacks, Week 17 games, in the idea that if we make it there, we have then prepared accordingly for a pro- proper shootout. And what makes Cordero Patterson also such a good draft play is that you can stack him with the Cardinals because that's who he plays in Week 17. So I do like those underappreciated Kyler Murray stacks right now with Cordero Patterson or Kyle Pitts if you're drafting an early tight end as well as Murray. So keep that in mind throughout the summer. For wide receivers, I should actually just message Sal right now and tell him to name this podcast. The rest of you are too low on Brandon Cooks because right now our projections rank Cooks as the wide receiver 12 overall. Yes, a current wide receiver one, albeit the cutoff line, which is 13 spots higher than his wide receiver 25 ranking on underdog. I'm assuming this is just to make sure that we stay ahead of him since last year we complained about quarterback. And not only did it not tend to matter, the situation was much better than we perceived from Davis Mills. Yes, Davis Mills was better than, I think he was better than we expected. And I think he's still better than what people think of him from last year after actually reviewing him. I think he was actually pretty solid. And in the 12 games that Brandon Cooks played with Mills, he had a 28.3% target share uh, and 6.2 catches, 66 yards, 0.42 touchdowns, 12.3 half PPR fantasy points per game. And they didn't add a lot at receiver. I mean, we're in the same situation we were last year. The Texans are probably going to struggle and have to throw the ball a lot late. So he's going to be a garbage time hero for you. Uh, And when I, you know, I'll, I'll be completely honest. When I first ran the initial set of predictions, he was coming in at wide receiver nine. I had to move him down a little bit to make it a little bit more comfortable for me. But I, you know, I'm using his target shares and everything from when he played with Mills last year. And this is what it came to. Um, And he's been a guy that whenever he's gotten the usage, he's been productive. He's a proven player, uh, albeit on a bad team. 
And then you look at the guys, this is one thing I always do when people say, well, so-and-so is high in your rankings. If you look at the guys below him, there's some question marks there. I mean, Keenan Allen's great, but he's kind of, um, you know, past the peak of his career. He's got Mike Williams um, kind of nipping at his heels. A.J. Brown just changed teams. Michael Pittman's dealing with a new quarterback. D.J. Moore doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, Jalen Waddell has, uh, you know, Tyree Kill entering the fray. So, I mean, you have a lot of things happening with this group, and I think that Brian Cooks is a, is a pretty safe bet here. Also, the fact that there was no impactful change among Houston's offense. So we expect Cooks' opportunity to stay the exact same. The only receivers they lost that had any amount of targets were Danny Amendola, Anthony Miller, and Andre Roberts. And I bet a lot of people listening don't even recall any of those players playing for Texans. So we expect Cooks to drop right back down to the same opportunity but as opposed to last year, we are not going to be behind them this year. I also want to talk about a couple, a few more stagnant wide receiver situations. That's because you have now put out your projections for the Seahawks wide receivers, a common topic on this show. And what you did was move DK Metcalf down, according to projections, 14 spots lower than his current ADP on underdog. And what that does is still make him the wide receiver 27 over Tyler Lockett, but Lockett's wide receiver 30. And so you basically bunch them up much closer than how everyone is treating the situation on underdog right now. Yeah, I think I tweeted something out to the effect that, um, you know, Metcalf is wide receiver 19, Lockett is 42 ADP wise. They finished 10th and 19th respectively, respectively, if you look at just through week 17. But if you add week 18 in, it was um, wide receiver 12, wide receiver 13, respectively. So you know, Lockett was just one spot. I think he had the big, you know, week 18 game, um, which didn't help fantasy owners, but still counts, you know, towards the stats. Uh, I just think that these guys are closer than they than they are in ADP. Uh, and I don't know why there's a 23 spot difference between the two. Uh, Lockett is also someone, if they decide to trade, probably has his value increase because he's more likely to go to a, t- a wide receiver needy team with a better quarterback than Drew Locke. Uh, so there's that looming as well. Um, so I, I just I just look at the Seattle team and it's it's not pretty. I think the one piece in the passing game that I'm sort of interested in is Noah Fant because he's going tight end 20 and he's already got a history with Locke of posting low end tight end one numbers with Locke. So uh, he's like the one guy who's like at cost is a and then I think Lockett too is is a decent uh, play at cost. But Metcalf to me. Fantastic player, super talented, big athletic dude, amazing. Um, but Lockett always seems to eat into his numbers or maybe outscore him, or it's more, you know, 1A, 1B than this 1-2 one, one, situation that we're seeing in ADP. Lockett always tends to pop up for a couple league-winning weeks, which is very important when building your roster for players that can actually, like, win your week for you at that ADP. That's why, like, right now I still play a lot of six team best ball leagues because that's where I get my RRI from all the money I'm basically burning on million dollar tournaments. And the fact you can make Lockett your wide receiver eight literally in those leagues is tremendous because basically you're not counting on using them. And when you do use them, I'm sure it's going to be a top 12 week. So I still love having Lockett in the right settings. Speaking of lock though, let's quickly move over to Broncos wide receivers because you have Cortland Sutton 16 spots lower than his current ADP as your wide receiver 36 and thus a low end wide receiver three for fantasy. 
I still want to believe. I may fight back on our projections personally. You don't have to come along since you created them. But I still want to believe in Cortland Sutton, if only because I still think his performance and his production was based solely on the fact he was playing with Drew Locke, who consistently throws the ball at a league-high rate like last year, 20-plus yards deep, but it doesn't matter. It's not something Locke should be doing since he still remains always bottom 10 and completion rate on those throws. And the fact that outside of the first game they played together, the other nine career starts Sutton played with Locke didn't finish inside the top 38 wide receivers at any point in those games because he had an inaccurate quarterback. But now you have a quarterback who excels when throwing deep. And I want to bet on that and bet on a talent like Cortland Sutton personally. So what went through your mind when you were parsing through ranking and projecting Jerry, Judy, and Cortland Sutton? This is a tough one because Tim Patrick has been the thorn in the side there. And I don't know if that's going to continue um, or, you know, if it's going to get more towards, uh, you know, the, the Seattle model where Russell Wilson basically threw to his two receivers and then just a little bit to other people. Now, if that's the case, then Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton should be ranked higher if you think that's going to happen. But Tim Patrick has, you know, outplayed them at times in spells. And even when, you know, Sutton was, you know, I thought this actually might be more of a Jerry Judy question, but it's more of a Sutton question. But if if Sut when Sutton was out um, in 2020, Judy had a pretty good year, 52 catches, 856 yards, three touchdowns, but that's nothing to write home about. I mean, I've been watching him, you know, Judy go like wide receiver 17 in ADP at, at underdog all off season. And to me, or once the, once the um, Russell Wilson trade happened and that to me is just way too high. Um, good, really good player, good route runner. And then as for Sutton, the two of them have not been able to coexist and be both be fantasy productive that we've seen. Now that doesn't mean they can't, it doesn't mean that Russell Wilson can't make it all happen, but you've got Albert O uh, you've got Tim Patrick, you've got KJ Hamler. There's some competition here. And I, I, we just really don't know what this offense is going to look like unless we decide we're going to apply Nathaniel Hackett and the Green Bay format to Russell Wilson at quarterback. And I think there's upside from where I've got them ranked. But I want to hear some positive camp reports. Oh, Wilson's got this great rapport with Sutton. Uh, Patrick doesn't look good. Uh, you know, Jude, you know, he's, he's, you know, Hamler might beat out Patrick or, you know, some stuff like that to, to where we can really confidently funnel some of these targets and these numbers to the top two receivers and the top two receivers only. What's annoying too, is that we know they're going to be a good offense, but we have to still parse them correctly. What's fun though, right now, but underdog is that Russell Wilson is the only one really you have to draft early. Uh, and Javante Williams, you want to go that route. But honestly, since Sutton's dipping, since Albert O is surprisingly dipping, I honestly thought that everyone would be much higher on him. But I guess the addition of Greg Dulcich, which I don't care about, apparently is affecting everyone's opinion. So you can get these two players in a, a, a double stack with Russ quite easily right now. And that's what I like doing, just for ADP dips. And finally, before we get out of here, the conversation needs to be had. Because when you sort by tight ends, you have Mark Andrews, as your tight end one over the king himself, Travis Kelsey, the floor is yours. Well, Andrews did finish tight end one last year. That's true. Uh, he, he did have some inflated uh, numbers due to the Huntley situation, Jackson situation with, with Baltimore. But you know, you look. I, this was a very this is a fun one to rank all offseason because these guys were flip flopping in my rankings. Once uh, I think when I started, I had uh, Andrews ahead of Kelsey in the never too early rankings, which were just by feel. Like, how do I feel about these guys? 
Um, and then the Tyreek Hill trade happened. So I moved Kelsey up because, you know, obviously Hill being gone is going to cause, you know, uh, Kelsey to see some more red zone targets and to be a, to have a higher floor week to week because he doesn't have Hill to li- uh, rely on. Um, and then Marquise Brown gets traded. And so now we're down to really two proven pass, not even two proven pass catchers, one proven pass catcher in Baltimore. I like Rashad Bateman a lot, but he's not proven. So you've got Mark Andrews, you've got Rashad Bateman in, in Baltimore. Uh, and then in, in Kansas City, they added Valdez Scantling, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, they drafted uh, Sky Moore. Uh, they've got McCall Hardman still. Um, so I think that once the, the dust settled on this, Andrews was slightly ahead for me than Kelsey. And I know that the ADP has it flip-flopped. But, I mean, it's only like a six-pick difference between the ADPs of the two players. I think, you know... I think it's. I wouldn't look at anybody funny drafting Travis Kelsey first. He's been as dominant at his position as anyone, maybe in the history of the league at any position. Um, five straight uh, tight end one finishes before finishing tight end two last year. Just some of the little efficiency things with him getting to be eight thirty three. Wondering if he's starting to slow down just a little bit in terms of his yards per game, yards per target. Uh, yards per reception i do think he's still going to see the 120 130 targets per game or i'm sorry per season this season whereas andrews you just that that target share is a little bit unknown um but i i have enough confidence in lamar jackson and the baltimore offense that he's going to be an integral part and he's he saw 8.2 targets 8.3 targets per game from jackson in 2021 that's what basically what kelsey averaged last year and I know some people may be scared off since the dust did literally settle and those four individuals they were rolling out at running back as a committee last year were all cut after the team didn't even tender or remove the tender from Tyson Williams. But at the same time, like we've talked about this before, but this team, Ravens offense, does not want to be what they were last year. They want to be so far removed from it and go back to the Lamar Jackson 2019 MVP version, which averaged five fewer pass attempts per game. But that can be good for Lamar Jackson naked in fantasy, and it can certainly be good for one option. And if we're betting on one option, that option is, of course, the proven one who just finished with a career high in route percentage in Mark Andrews, as opposed to Rashad Bateman, who we're still not sure what he is, although we are fairly sure he's not Marquise Brown because only so few players are and they can't get open that style. So I agree. If it is going to be limited volume, I certainly want to be ahead of everyone and have Mark Andrews instead. Paulson, what else do you have coming out for the next few weeks as you continue to sift through this first run of projections? Well, I just uh, submitted the rankings breakdown for the tight end position, which is we discuss or I discuss quite a bit of this and like talk about this Andrews Kelsey thing. And this is one that might I might flip flop back again, where Kelsey ahead of Mark, Mark Andrews if if I see enough uh, evidence to convince me otherwise. This is t- this is a tough one, um, but I talk about uh, a lot of these uh, high upside breakout candidates in these tight end two ranks. And I do think and it's a joke that throughout the community that the tight end is deep this year, but I actually think the tight end is deep this year. Uh, there's a number of guys going in those. Maybe we can uh, talk about it on a future pod, but a number of breakout candidates, young ones with good quarterbacks that, you know, really could take a big step forward. Uh, and then I'm going to be writing my running back and my wide receiver article, same sort of principle uh, late this week, next week. So that's what I'm working on for this, for the site. 
It is only mid-May, I assure you. We are not done with rankings pods just yet. You're going to be sick of them by the time we reach August. But until then, in the next few weeks, now that the groundwork has been laid with your projections, everything becomes easier for everyone else. Uh, TJ Hernandez, six-part Best Ball Mania Bible series on how to strategically build, just released as well, just completed with stacking article. And he also, remember, came out on last week's episode of the Most Accurate Podcast, if you haven't gone back, to talk about that series and listen to that then. Best Ball Tears coming out from myself next week, hopefully. Also, we will have Exploiting Default ADP. Jen, Chris, the rest of the team are also working on other pieces. So a very big couple of weeks now that the projections are out. Remember, 44.com, you can get them all there. Until then, though, good luck to everyone. We'll see you all, subscribers in the Discord, and we will talk to you soon. See you next week.